What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the You Know I Got So and So in Stereo podcast. Episode 50 is here. Episode 50 is here. Episode 50 is here. I've got Tom and Ed with me. Along with Tom and Ed, we've got Murder Inc.'s number one fan, aka myself, aka the host. And guys, welcome to the podcast. Welcome to number 50. Kyle, welcome back from Firefest. We're glad that you survived <laughs> with all the rich kids looking to see Ja Rule and had your hopes dashed. So come to the podcast where I can dash your hopes. Just, to, uh, just to fill everyone in, we really wanted to record number 50 live and let everyone listen in. But apparently the cell phone reception down south is too poor, so Ed wasn't able to uh, make that happen with us. <laughs> I'm looking at the time on the audio recording, so we got one minute and eight seconds before I, if you hear any clicking, the clicking you're hearing right now is me pulling up the United Airlines because I'm about to fly to Tom's house so he can get these hands in person, and I'm making sure I'm taking United's because you know, they know how to throw hands, so I'll have a whole flight where I can get my game ready so he can catch it so just so y'all know obituary already one minute 33 seconds in y'all riling me up this is episode 50 i'm supposed to be celebrating here we go great show all right calm down calm down so just to give everyone a a brief summary of what's going to be going down in episode 50 of course we're going to talk about the recent stuff that's going on in r&b we actually have a lot to cover for that and of course we're going to also touch on the hall of fame but this episode, because we've made it to episode 15, and you know a lot of that is due to you guys tuning in every week, we want to take this opportunity to answer any questions that you guys have. Um, we had the hashtag uh, AskYKIGS going on on Twitter and all the social media things. So this is a good opportunity for us to answer some of your questions. B- but before we get into that, I want to go back to this fire festival. Tom, did you see what they were eating at the fire festival? No, I didn't see that. What happened? So they—it was a town special. <laughs> it was so. Oh. Uh, for everyone that doesn't know, the Firefest was like a twelve thousand uh, dollar admission fee. That was how much it was going to cost to go to it. It was promoted as like the greatest music festival ever. Luxurious beaches, gourmet chef meals, the whole nine cabins. The people get there, and it's like military tents. And Tom, what they were eating. This is a Tom special, like Ed said. It was a, a cheese sandwich with lettuce. <laughs> what? Oh, man. Yes. Yep. I don't know how Tom missed I this. Know. Like, you get to see a cheese sandwich and you get to live in a tent? This, this is my thing. You know, Twitter has been, like, giving them the business for going to this little raggedy festival. And they should. And, I mean, I feel bad that these people paid money to do this and they didn't get their wishes fulfilled but it real talk did y'all look at the bands that were playing and the rappers that were there the best thing this would have been was spring mtv spring break 2001 <laughs> this is 2017 you were setting yourself up for failure so i hope you had fun with your cheese sandwich and your fallout shelters that you were living <laughs> in so i think kyle missed a good time though because I'm sure there were lots of Murder, Inc. songs playing throughout the day. My question was that, why, how did Ja Rule get involved with putting together a festival, especially at this stage of his career? And why would people think it would have been some great thing? I mean, I, I just don't understand. 
Tom, I'm surprised. Ja Rule's been swindling folks for the past 10 years. That's nothing new. He gets stuff tied in because he still has a little bit of a name. So he does the thing, and brothers have to get paid. So attach his name to it. One of the, what was the, the, um, the Jenner girl? I get them mixed up. One, One of the yeah. Kardashian yep. monsters. Yep. All these folks just pieced out anyway. So you just see a list of folks that you used to like 20 years ago. And your dad's got money. So, yay, let me go down there in the cabin. Damn. But on to more important news, guys. I think it's almost time that we revisit Ashanti into the Hall of Fame. Because I can add one more point now. So Ashanti, of course, is Ja Rule's main collaborator. And Ja Rule did something that no politicians can do. He managed to balance out the inequality in America by scamming the rich. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you something, player. The, when it comes to the leadership of this country, um, the rich has been scamming the rich and the poor for a long time now. So that ain't nothing new. And speaking of... Uh, and this Ashanti and the Hall of Fame, fame thing ain't going to work. You're going to have to get that one. Speaking of re-voting re on the Hall of Fame, if you guys tuned in last week... We had like a heated debate about Music Soul Child being in and out. And rest assured, the debate continued off the podcast. We were fighting pretty much the whole week. It was pretty fun. Pretty much. But you know me. I ain't ever backing down. I ain't never scared. <laughs> so that's what we do here. And there'll be... I'm looking forward to later on in the podcast when we get to hear some of the questions from our listeners. Because it's got some good stuff. And I love that. That's what makes being an R&B fan so fun, because when you're talking to knowledgeable fans about what's going on, you can go all day long. Trust me, if somebody took our messages and posted them, it would be pure comedy. Mm -hmm. So, Tom, while you go and reminisce on Blink-182 and missing them at the Firefest, I will roll right into our current events. Oh. Oh, boy. Uh, this is actually popping on my timeline for most of the week, especially when it came out. Tamar Braxton's new song, My Man. Man, I've never seen my Twitter go off like that. Well, actually, I have when Tamar dropped her last single, but she has a new single out. It, it actually sounds pretty good, Ed. It is pretty good, but as I told Kyle when it dropped, because the Tamartians, and just like the Mary J, what do you call the Mary J fans? The, the, the No More Drama Queens? Like, what you call them? I don't know. What do you... But anyway, whatever you call them, the those guys and the Tay Martians are very notorious on my timeline. So whenever they get riled up, I'm always rolling my eyes. But the new single is actually pretty good. It's giving me a lot of Tony Braxton vibes, classic Tony Braxton vibes. It's a really solid song. I'm not sure about Screaming Song of the Year like I've already seen, but... It's a pretty good song and a good launching point for her. So I'm interested in seeing what else she has to bring to the table. Yeah, I definitely hey, got that Tom. Tony Braxton vibe. You guys pointed that out. I definitely heard that. But hey, Tom, um, you know how you wanted to name our uh, studio, Grilled Chicken Studio? I didn't want to name it that. We did name it that, just to clarify. Oh, we did? Well, Ed, it doesn't sound too outlandish now because Tamar Braxton's new record label is Tamartian Land Records. Is what? Tamartian Land Records. Lord have mercy. They should have never gave y'all internet. Tamartian Land Records. So we naming this stuff out the um, Mars. Y'all have... Oh, oh. 
I like the song. I'll leave it at that. I I got a whole hour and a half to get on your nerves later. I will just say I like the song, my man. I'll let you have your little raggedy studio. Hey, <laughs> Martian Lane. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, the other new release that came out this week, and, and a major one, obviously, Mary J. Blige, Strength of a Woman, album came out. This was an album that was anticipated like no other. This was supposed to be the comeback album. Is it that, Ed? Uh, here's the thing. I really like the album. Um, and as I said in my review, which you can read right now on, you know, I got soul.com. Um, I really enjoyed the album. I thought that it was for those who were looking to hear the classic angry Mary J sound, the sound where it's like, I'm not taking your stuff anymore, dude. You definitely heard that on the first half of the album. However, the second half of the album it kind of goes back into some of the Mary songs that have been that fans have been critical of over the past five or six years. A little too sleepy, a little too generic, a little too close to mainstream sounds. Like I don't want to hear Mary on trap. I don't want to hear her on kind of bland pop records. And we got a couple of those. So it's a good record. I think a lot of people from the reviews I saw were kind of mixed. Some fans, I think, were just expecting my life again. We're not going to get my life. Give it up. That was 1994. It is 2017. We're not going to get a repeat of that. But for a solid album on its own, I thought it was pretty decent and one of her better offerings in the past few years. Here's my, my thing. I think it was her 13th solo album. And people, when has an artist ever made one of their greatest albums ever? as an album that deep in their discography. So I wasn't expecting the greatest comeback album ever. I was just ready to appreciate it for what it was. And I haven't had a chance to fully listen to it and really live with it yet. But from the sounds of it, it could be something we can appreciate and enjoy. So to those who are expecting one of her best albums ever, I think that maybe their hopes are a little too high. That's just my opinion. No, oh, I totally agree with well, you. Well, for me, and I hate to be the negative one here, and maybe because I was expecting My Life, but I didn't really enjoy this album. Like, Ed, I know you love My Life too, and I really like the, the I I, and I really like the Think Like a Man soundtrack that came out a couple of years ago. This I did too. This one kind of falls short, in my opinion. Um, there are some strong songs on there. I feel like she released all the best songs first, maybe intentionally, I, and there are a couple of decent um, records on the album as well. Um, like Set Me Free, that record is great. Shoutouts to Jasmine Sullivan and Camper for producing that one. But, Ed, like you said, the, the second half of it, I don't know. There was that one disco sounding song. What is it? Find the Love? Oh, yes. That's the upbeat little disco song for the cookouts. Your grandma and them going to love that song. Yeah, like, but for the rest of us, we're going to be trying to get some more potato salad and pay, not paying attention. Damn. But... Tom, you remember like every year that we go to Essence, how we stick out like a sore thumb? Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, that was the, that was this song on the album. It stuck out like a sore thumb. It's a, it it doesn't even make sense in terms of the sequencing of the album. But what are you gonna do? Wow. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah, that was my beef with the album. I think that she, the problem with the album is that she released all the good songs as singles. So we were like. Oh man, if this is this good, what's on the album? Well, a bunch of I right stuff. So that hurt it. 
and sequencing, like you mentioned, was just all out of whack. The first half of the album is so front-loaded with good stuff that by the time you hit track six or seven, it just starts this slow decline. And don't get me wrong, I still enjoy the album. I gave it four stars out of five. I think it's overall really good, but it could have used some reshuffling and definitely dropped a couple songs. And the last point I'll make is her vocals don't sound very good on this album, which, I mean... I mean, we did have that discussion a couple of weeks ago about the top ten female vocalists, and the fans were mad that you weren't putting her on the list. Well, I can't blame you, Ed. And I can't blame you. And <laughs> oh, Ed is right again. Look at that. Look at that. Yep, yep, yep. Nah, man, you're just hating. Try to you're tell just hating, y'all. Ed. Hating on the queen. <laughs> Reading tweets from MJB number four seventy eight again, huh? <laughs> all right well calm down guys uh we have another project that uh, i'm happy to announce it's the new her or gabby wilson project she's going to be releasing volume two in june um obviously you know i spoke to you guys off the air you guys haven't had a chance to listen to the new song yet but i guess my question is obviously the last ep that she put out it had an interesting marketing campaign behind it she got a lot of the biggest names in r&b and hip-hop to co-sign on it if she does that again, do you think she'll do that again, number one? And do you think it comes off as cheap if she does that again? I think that how I've envisioned the project, and Tom and I kind of disagreed a little bit on the direction of this, I thought the initial rollout was genius. I thought it was a great way to introduce a new artist, to get some buzz around it, and an artist who doesn't have to... It's using a gimmick without... Like, the music isn't a gimmick, but the name is a gimmick. Whereas most artists that we see in 2017, the music is gimmicky. So I wasn't mad at the direction, but if we're going to beat this into the ground, I'm going to get a little annoyed. So before I speak on it, because I haven't, like you said, I haven't heard the project. I haven't seen what exactly is on on tax for the second album. If we're going to get another round of here's this mystery person who isn't really a mystery, wink, wink, releasing songs... It's going to get old, and I think that the buzz is going to die down. At some point, she's going to have to literally step from behind that shadow and say, hey, y'all, this is me. Let's get real. You, you know what I think is interesting? So she still hasn't done any shows. She still hasn't revealed her identity. She, I don't think she's released any visuals yet. So I, I don't see how much longer they can string this out. Or I mean, I kind of feel bad for her, personally. No pun intended, because I feel bad for Gabby. I mean, she was an artist. Now the label forced her into doing this gimmick. We'll say forced. Maybe we don't know the whole story. But, I mean, she's a real person. She deserves to be seen and heard in, in, a, in a bigger spotlight. She doesn't, shouldn't have to be hiding behind a, a gimmick. And I just kind of feel bad. So, but I, I, I was talking to Kyle recently because he was trying to interview some, a couple artists who were recently, you know, kind of emerging. And the label was like, no, they're not doing interviews. And I was talking to them. And we, we looked it up. These artists aren't even doing interviews. I feel like that's a new wave. Be mysterious. Be elusive. And it's just kind of unfortunate. I feel like these artists deserve to be heard. So we'll see what happens. I don't know. I don't know. I agree with you that at this point, I, again, because my background is in marketing and I can recognize a good campaign, I think that the initial rollout was a good campaign to get buzz going. But at some point, an artist's music has to tell their story. And she has to be able to step from beyond that 
and tell her story and not H.E.R.'s story. So this seems like the time to do that. And if she rides that gimmick too long, by the time she does step out, she's going to have to step out eventually. She can't perform in like a cloak <laughs> on stage. So eventually she's going to have to show her face. And when she does, we want that to be a big deal and not just, oh, yeah, that was that girl that had like 17 her albums back in the day. I remember that. We're getting dangerously close to it being a silly gimmick instead of a hook to the real artist. Well, we'll find out in a couple of uh, weeks because she's actually going to be performing um, or she's part of some BET award show that's going on. So she'll probably uh, or sooner or later eventually uh, let people know who she is. A couple of other notes that I want to make before we get off and and get into our questions that the fans have asked us. Number one, um, Ed, can you talk about that amazing R&B song Mask Off by Future? My um, the glove's about to come off with y'all today. <laughs> Seventeen minutes in, and now I'm after Kyle's throat. Well, here's the thing: Future dropped two albums. I guess it was about a month or so ago, and everybody was going nuts because in this weird hip hop climate that we're in, it's like qual- quantity is embraced more than quality. So it's like, oh, dude, dropped two albums. They got to be hot. So of course I listened to them like an idiot, and they were not hot. But the one song that I thought was actually okay was that Mask Off song. And I am disappointed to say that. So I'm asking every R&B singer and rapper with talent to steal that beat and sing on it so I don't have to listen to the future version and I can listen to somebody else's version. So somebody hijack that beat so we can get some love to somebody else. I do not want future on my iPod. And, and, and the last one before we get out of here and do and talk about other things, it looks like the label is starting to push Bruno Mars into the urban market. His current single, That's What I Like, has a new remix with Ludacris and Gucci. Oh, gosh. Look, the song was fire before that, and I thought that it was already a song that could cross over. And here we go, gucci it up. <laughs> How did gucci Mane even become so popular? He's probably one of the worst rappers ever heard and it seems like once he got out of jail he just exploded even bigger i don't get it honestly when he got out of jail he's actually sounds way better than when he was before jail but the thing is he's just a ad-lib machine and that's all you need in 2017 look at the freaking migos you say skirt 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 a hundred times and you got a platinum record sheesh sheesh Alright, so actually I lied. We're not going to get into the Ask YKIGS first. Let's get into the Hall of Fame first because I know we have a lot of questions. So let's get the Hall of Fame out of the way. Let's get all the bad feelings out of the way as well. Ed and Tom, I know there's going to be resentment because Music Soul Child didn't get in, but Ashanti didn't get in either. Ashanti didn't get in, so I... I I don't even need to hear the names. They're both a no. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if you want to say that. <laughs> I hope that I hope it's Luther Vandross. I hope just oh no no pick the biggest name ever that you can't deny. Tom, if you can live with me, I can live with Ashanti not being in the Hall of Fame. You can live with music not being in it. I'm just oh. saying. Okay, fair enough. Okay, let's calm down here. So, again, as usual, we're gonna have two uh, nominations for the Hall of Fame. One being from the fans, and one being from us. This one comes from our girl Lachelle Wallace. The nomination is. John B. Interesting. That came from Lachelle mm. Wallace. 
That can't. Interesting. Michelle loves John B. So that's probably I how actually she just, found us. <laughs> <laughs> I actually watched John B's unsung episode uh, probably about a week ago. It was a pretty interesting story, just seeing how you know they had a hard time marketing him at first because he was a white guy, and then they don't know came out, fully embraced him, and then with the Tupac song as well. Um, so, I mean, he's had some solid records, um, and contrary to popular belief, he has put out an album after 2001. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> Who's going first? Uh, Tom, Me? Tom, you go. Yeah, go first. This is your boy. Well, you know, I'm a John B. fan. Some people were known to call me Slam B. back in the day. I don't know why. <laughs> but uh, he's also a friend of ours and a friend of the site. I wouldn't call him a Hall of Famer, although I love his talent. I'm a fan of his music. You know, it's rare you see writers, musicians, and, and singers these days who have the triple threat, especially coming out of his generation. He had some big hits. He also collaborated with many, many of my favorite rappers, some of the biggest names. He, you know, Tupac, obviously Jay Z. He has a song with he has a song with Nas. He has a song with A Z. So I mean. He's done. He, he's done so much. He still tours religiously. He's not releasing music as much, but um, I'm a fan. But unfortunately, he's not getting in the Hall of Fame for me. Even though I think he's a, a great, great artist. Well, kind of gotta agree with Tom. Look at this. We're actually in agreement. So. I saw that um, unsung episode too that you saw, Kyle, and it really—I was already a fan of John B. But that episode just made me love him more as a person. He just seems like the nicest guy ever, and I'm sure Tom can speak to that. But I think Tom hit it on the head. Like he's a great artist, a very, very underrated artist. But as far as a Hall of Fame catalog, when you talk about albums and influence and longevity. He just doesn't measure up to the elite of the elite. So I would have to say no to, but great artist. Love me some John B. You know, I'm I'm with you guys as well, but Cool Relax is, is such a great album. Man, like, that's one of the best albums of the 90s, I think. Definitely. I wouldn't argue with it. Well, could you make an argument that he opened the door? This is a stupid argument, but I've heard this. Did he open the door for Robin Thicke, Justin Timberlake, etc.? I don't agree with that, but I've heard that being said. I've heard it too, and I disagree as well. I mean, that'd be like saying that Tina Marie opened the door for this person and that person. Like, I've always been, and I've written about this in the past, I'm pretty anti the term blue-eyed soul. I don't think you need to characterize R&B by the color of the person that it comes out of their mouth. I think R&B is R&B and we don't have to throw that label on it. So, I mean, some people have put him as a trailblazer in that end. I think it's kind of unnecessary and let the music speak for itself. I ain't really mad. Yeah, agreed. Um, so, are you guys ready for my nomination? Oh, so I'm holding my breath in anticipation. Okay, just to give everyone a little backstory, every person that I've nominated so far has been a no. <laughs> and he's not bitter at all. No, not at all. I just wanted to point that out. But this one, guys, if this person doesn't get in, I'm going to be hurt. Brandy. What can I say? She is the vocal bible. A little annoying on Twitter nowadays, on Instagram. But... Oh, my God. 
A little? Okay, a very little. annoying on well, very let, annoying. Let me go. Okay, there you um, go. But she still has a solid body of work. Um apparently Full Moon is a classic. I don't know if I agree with that. It is a pretty solid album. Who told you that? Anyways. Anyway. Um but no, she's had a couple of solid albums and in the 90s, late 90s, she was sort of one of the faces of R&B. And she was one of the first young, you know, female R&B artists to really, really make it and cross over. So, Brandy, I say yes. What about you guys? Go first, Ed. All right. Now, when I first got on in, I can't even remember the year now, a few years ago when I, I guess it was like, 2007 2008 when i started my fandom of r&b started to go online and i started reading and experiencing like the opinions of other fans i was always thrown by how brandy was like championed as this huge legendary singer and groundbreaker and this and i was like brandy for real and i love brandy but there is a segment of fandom who, like, put her up there with, like, the legend legends. Like, I'm talking the Aretha's and the Shaka's. And I realized that is because for their generation, Brandy is their Whitney. Brandy was the person who was acting and had TV roles and was putting out great albums and great collaborations. So, for them, she is, like, the pinnacle. And that's why you hear stuff like Full Moon is a classic. I Somebody needs to revisit that opinion. But we hear stuff like that because she has such a vocal fan base who literally grew up with this artist who started out on the Thea show. Y'all remember that. That's old head stuff. She had that mushroom haircut. All the way to this starring Hollywood celebrity and huge R&B artist. So she did what Whitney Houston and many others did for that generation. So for that alone... And her musical contributions, I say yes, she's a Hall of Famer. But I still think some fans need to calm down with the Brit- with the brand is standing. Jeez, but she gets my vote. Um, does she even have a classic album? I would say no. Oh, I'm well, yeah, but oh. the closest you could probably say "Never Say Never" is a classic album. But that's a yeah, pop that's, album. That's, that's a pop. That's the closest album. That's not R and B. I wouldn't agree with that player. It's the R&B. single. The, most that of the singles. Know. Okay, I'll change my how I say that. The singles, like a few of the singles. Yeah, the, the biggest singles. Yes, the biggest singles were pop crossover singles. That that is true. All right, um, but that was that was R and B at the time. It was pop. We're not no, expecting no, I, I don't Brandy mean it to, like that. Not, I mean the no. styling of the song, like the, the way the song is produced, like everything about the song is a pop. I, I hate to use the word pop, but... No, I, but I, I get what you're saying, though. I don't mean like popular radio, I mean it, like a pop sound. Yes, it was marketed to intentionally cross over. Those always doesn't count type jokes. That, and by yeah. that, I mean marketed towards... I mean, almost don't. Marketed towards middle-aged, older white ladies cleaning their house type <laughs> music. <laughs> the Beckys. Well, I I don't know. I always like to be the devil's advocate, 
so no one's a unanimous vote in. I'm not going to say no, but um, it would be interesting if she had focused more, like if she was solely dedicated to music and it was her main priority. Obviously, she's been a successful actress and done other things, but I guess cool. <laughs> No, I'm with Tom on this one. Like, if you ask them, and we're going to get beat up for this because Brandy's fans are just so vocal, but I don't think it's a shoe-in. Like, there are people who grew up with her and know her as the pinnacle, but that's not necessarily the case. So I think she's a, she gets an in, but it's not a shoe-in. Like, she well, just makes it in for the same reason. The positive she has going is influence over the next generation, Obviously, talent, record sales, you know, except celebrity, Mm -hmm. achievements, awards. So, I mean, it kind of is a shoe-in. I'm giving Kyle a hard time, but (laughs) I wouldn't. (laughs) I I don't think it's a shoe-in just because she doesn't have that one album that says, okay. And I know people say, never say never. Like, it's good, but... There's no Brandy album that's gotten anywhere near close to five stars. Anywhere near. Man, it's funny that you say that because I remember when she released 211 a couple years back, people were calling that a five star, and I'm like, I don't think so. (laughs) Oh, what? (laughs) Jeez. Those same people, I'm sure, spent $6,000 at Firefest Fest this weekend. What in the. Do you realize that in the past almost one decade, she's only released one album? And that's 211. Since, since oh, 2000, know. if you count after Human came out, she's released only one album. And that's almost Correct. 10 years. And that's why when I did my top vocalist list and I label her as inactive and people are like, she's active. She's active on Twitter. She's not active in the studio player. So right, good news, in. ladies and gentlemen. I have now got one person into the Hall of Fame. <laughs> <laughs> All it took you 18 tries, so good for you, Stay tuned next time when I try to nominate Ashanti again. But anyway. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Let's get Cherish on the ballot. (laughs) Um, So on our to-do list is to revisit Ashanti, revisit Music Soul Child, and I guess we're also revisiting D'Angelo eventually. Yes, definitely. (laughs) And trust me, once the outrage follows this podcast of, of John B. not getting in, we're going to have to revisit him, too. We have a ton of John B. fans. Oh, boy. Oh, yes. Now, that's coming. Oh, boy. Shout out to Super Wife. She's going to defriend me on everything. <laughs> well, speaking of our friends, guys, let's get into these uh, questions that we received on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And I feel like we need to do more of this. We, we would love to hear the questions from you guys. But let's start off really easy, guys. This is from OG Woolen. Shout outs to you. Guys, what got you guys into R&B? It's story time. Hmm. Ed? Oh, shout, out to my, shout out to my boy, um, Will. He's a um, long-time Soul & Stereo fan. Um, it's weird. I don't have a direct moment that I got into R&B. It'd be like saying, what moment did you get into brushing your teeth? <laughs> like, it's just always been a thing. I re- the first moment I remember clearly is being in my dad's truck and listening to um, Sheila E's Glamorous Life. And for anyone who's met my dad, who knows he's like the manliest man who ever manned. So this 
big burly dude is singing along to Glamorous Life. And I'm like, why is he so hype off of this song? And then I'm listening to it. I'm like, because this song is hot. It's crazy. And that's one of my first earliest moments of really loving and appreciating that style of music. And it's just gone on from the 80s till now. Um, for me, I, I no one in my family listened to R&B. So I kind of found it on my own. Probably, believe it or not, just by listening to Hot 97 and just... And I wasn't gravitating towards the hip-hop, mostly. It was more so the R&B, for whatever reason. It just grabbed me. And I just went on from there. Became passionate about it. Followed it closely. And uh, the rest is history. And then for me, obviously, you guys know my story already. My mom used to play Mariah Carey and Tony Braxton all day long. But... I don't think that's what re- that probably laid de- laid out the foundation for me. But what really got me into R and B was I think it was around the year two thousand. I was watching uh, Much Music, which is equivalent to MTV over there, and they were playing the Stutter song by Joe with Mystical. I remember really liking that song, yep. and then following that, they had uh, You Remind Me by Usher. And I think from there, I sort of because when I was younger, I would listen to everything from you know the Backstreet Boys to all just random music but I think after the Usher and the Joe song that's when I started following R&B a lot more and I started discovering more R&B stuff and then BET came along in Canada and I was just locked into that to that station so it was a lot of B2K going on (laughs) jeez I was just waiting for you to say, like, the year was 2002, and Ashanti came on oh, wearing that oh, hat. Oh, you know and it. And the song came foolish. Oh, you and- know it. Jarbo <laughs> was eating the cereal on the helicopter or whatever was going on. Man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Bringing back good memories. The perfect song for you, Foolish. Perfect title for ah, Kyle. man. All right. So, Will, thank you so much for that one. I got a question from Miss Superwife. This one is for Tom. Uh-oh. For real, what does Tom eat besides chicken? If he was in a buffet line and couldn't choose chicken or veggie, what's on the plate? <laughs> well, first of all, I don't think he even eats veggies, but Tom... Yeah, that's actually true. I actually eat the same thing every single day. Real quick, I'll run through it for you. I start my day with a, with a, um, a green machine smoothie, so I get my veggies in through that. Oh my god. Yep. Then when I then I eat a granola bar later in the day, homemade. In fact, my wife makes them, so they're all they're pure. Um, then I have those are probably good. I'll give I you that. I have some. I eat peanuts usually. Um, I eat cereal, like high protein cereal. It's pretty gross actually. Uh, <laughs> usually, for, for I have like some chicken and rice. I have. Some yogurt with with granola added in, and maybe some pasta. That's like what I eat every day. Same thing, pretty much. Wow. So there, there you go. Not very interesting, but there you have it. It's not interesting, but it sure is gross. <laughs> All right, Ed. This is from Henry Barnett. Why don't you like the Black Panties album? Oh, shout out Henry. Oh, man. <laughs> For those who don't know, shout out um, Henry, another one of my soul and stereo crew. Um, Black Panties was one of the most lowest rated albums I have ever reviewed in the history of soul and stereo. So we're almost like 10 years strong with this thing. And I can't remember what I gave it. I gave it like a 
one and a half or something. Album is horrendous. And many people were aghast that I gave the Pied Piper of R&B such a low score. Player, did you look at the album cover? Let's start at the <laughs> album cover. Like, the cover, he's like playing a woman like a violin. He's playing y'all. He's telling y'all before you listen to the album, you're about to get played because there's some bull you about to hear. It is terrible. If you want to hear a 50-year-old man comparing women to cookies, then this is the song for this is the album for you. So, since I'm grown and not immature, it ain't for me. Y'all rock with it though, apparently. Someone actually liked that album? That's surprising. The, the you would be surprised, player. Album's trash. <laughs> wow. All right. Um I'll answer this one. This is from uh, Miss Superwife as well. And if you guys do as well, feel free to answer. But she asked, do any of you guys play instruments? Um, I can speak for myself. I did once upon a time learn the violin. So, Ed, if you need someone to help you with the mask off beat, I'm there for that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good, Paul. Um, I don't really remember a lot of the, the violin. I'm, it, it probably, I'll have to pick it up and try to figure things out again. But I used to play that. Um, and then, of course, there's band class and all that. I used to play the trombone, so that's me. What about you guys? Man, I did not know that you played the trombone. Me either. Once upon a time. <laughs> uh, for me, I used to play the saxophone, believe it or not, but that was like middle school. And I almost joined a band in high school, man. I was such a nerd, but I quit. Like when I started high school, and then that was it. Haven't really touched an instrument since, unfortunately. Yeah, I've never been a band kid, so no instruments for your boy. All right, let's get into an actual uh, R&B discussion here. Doesn't have to be too long. Um, this is from Mary Joe, who I believe is a Joe fan, obviously. Um, do you th- do you think more artists like Tyrese and Joe will quit doing albums because of the lack of sales in R&B? And by the way, Mary Joe is from Spain, so shout outs to Spain. She's a big supporter of the site. Shout out to Mary Joe. Uh, I'll answer that one first. Uh, I'd say yes. I don't think anyone's ever going to retire, but I think we're already seeing larger gaps between releases now just because... Artists don't feel the need, 90s artists especially don't see a need to put out an album. They can just tour as much as they want based on previous singles and previous hits. So they don't see a need to put the time and effort into recording new albums that frequently. So I don't think anyone will ever retire from making new music, but I don't think it will be as frequent. Yeah, I think you nailed it. That was pretty much going to be my answer. In today's climate, where even artists with big buzz still have pretty paltry sales and most of the money is in touring anyway most of these artists already have a following so might as well just tour and just hit you know off of your previous hits do that raking your money and i think that there's a love of the craft where we'll see a lot of artists that'll every once in a while drop an album drop some new material but for the most part, you're going to see bigger gaps between releases. I think that's just the way it's going. You've already kind of seen it in the past couple years. You know what's weird, guys? Like, Jagged Edge used to release an album once every year, and that just seems super weird to me now. Maybe it's because it's been so long since they did that, but, like, 
an album every year. How are we able? How how did we digest those albums? I don't. It's weird. If you look, you mentioned Ludacris earlier, and I remember he would literally put out an album like every year, and like clockwork. And a lot of artists did that, or they wouldn't go longer than two years without a release. Now there's really no need to do that. Because if the albums aren't selling, you might have a, a single that does well and everybody streams, but the album sales just aren't popping like they used to. Hmm. All right, let's go back into some individual questions here. This one is for Derek Dunn. Ed, who would you cast in the roles of Keith Sweat and Teddy Riley in a Keith Sweat biopic? <laughs> <laughs> Don't... <laughs> Shout out Derek Dunn. Derek, as we all three of us know, has supported both sites for years and years and years. The biggest new edition fan who walks this earth is Derek Dunn. So, and also a big movie fan, as you can tell from this question. I really think we need like a New Jack Swing like documentary or something. Like that needs to happen. But as far as who would play the film, that's like a tough question. What's the dude from um, Tyler Perry's House of Pain? Um, I'm blanking on his name. Plays Calvin. Lance. I think he'd be a good key sweat guy. Get him. He can get the, the goatee going. He's tall. Lanky. He can work for Keith. As far as... Uh, as far as Teddy... I don't know. Shave Elijah Kelly bald and throw the goatee on him? Casting's hard. Those are my two picks. All right. Tom, you ready for yours? Sure. (laughs) This one is from Dan Bamber from Australia, uh, one of our new supporters who's really given us a lot of love on our podcast. He wants to know, who is the nicest, most genuine artist you've met in the industry? Oh, wow. Or artists. Um for me, um, Ed, we mentioned him earlier, John B. Super nice and very mm-hmm. genuine. You can tell, like, I've met so many artists. You can tell where they're just being fake nice or, you know, or really being genuine. But John B. has always been genuine. Joe has always been super genuine. Obviously, uh, our friend RL has always been genuine. Um, even, I, it always sticks out to me that Neo was so nice and genuine when I met him, believe it or not, you know, for being a big star. Um, trying to think. I don't want to leave anyone out. Those are the names that immediately came to mind, so I'm going to go with those. Nice. I've got to hop in on this one because I've got a great story. The artist who stuck with me to this day has always been Dave Hollister. So let me take you back to like the year 99 when I was working at what's now called GameStop. It was called Babbage's back in my old man day. And I'm in Virginia working at the video game store. It's like a, it's in the summer, so it's an afternoon. It's nobody in the store. So this short round dude walks in the store, picks up like 87 games that he wants to buy. And I'm like, what is this dude buying all this game for? And I'm looking at him, and I'm like, he looks mad familiar. And it couldn't, it didn't hit me because I'm in work mode. So he buys all this stuff, gets a credit card. And back then we had to check your ID. So he gives me the ID. David Hollister is on the ID. And I'm like, yo, it's Dave Hollister. And he's like, what up? So me and Dave Hollister like talk about 
video games and music for like five, ten minutes. He leaves. Leaves out the store. Five minutes later, guess who comes back? Dave Hollister. He's killing time, so we talk some more. He leaves. Guess who walks back by the mall and waves like an old lady? You know how when my my readers will know this. When you are about to leave your grandma's house and your grandma comes on the front porch and she puts her hands on her hips to see you off and like waves as the car <laughs> drives off. Dave Hollis did that to me as I was leaving work that day. So shout out to Dave Hollister because I will never forget that day in 2000 when he showed me some love. And this was during right before he dropped his best album, that Chicago 85, the movie. So was pretty hyped that I spent the afternoon with Dave Hollister at the video game store at Greenbrier Mall in Chesapeake. And they didn't do, there was no selfies back then, right, Ed? No selfies. Cell phones were about the size of a brick. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, one that I have in mind is uh, Seven Streeter. Uh, we met her at Essence a couple of times. Tom, I think it was either the... I think she was either watching Beyonce or Prince at the time, and we, you know, we walked past her, and she stopped to talk to us while Prince or Beyonce, I forget which one it was, was performing. So if you can stop uh, Beyonce and Prince to t- come talk to us, you're in our good books. I, I almost felt like we were disturbing her from the performance of that. She was so into it, but <laughs> but no, she showed <laughs> us love for sure. Yep. All right, uh, this is for all of us. I'll start. I'll start off with it. Dan Bamber again wants to ask, when you're at home and you're playing your music, what is the one R&B song that you most like to sing along to? And I mean proper singing. So he means hitting the notes and the <laughs> screaming and all that stuff. Um, for me, it has always been Alicia Keys' Fallen. Really? What? I don't, I don't know why. But just to imit- imitate Alicia Keys and the notes that she tries to hit on there... It gets kind of ugly, though, because as I'm singing it, sometimes my little sister will come down and tell me to <laughs> shut up. So, sorry. Wow. Uh, I'm, for those who don't know, Kyle could actually sing. We've heard him. He can hold a, a note or two. Yeah. yeah, Kyle actually isn't bad. He's a better singer than your favorite R&B singer on the radio. Oh. I'll say oh, that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> I, I, on the other hand, cannot sing. I'm, I'm known to hum to a song here and there, but no, I can't. I don't know all that. Ed? Well, I've got... I can't just say one. Like, it's a ton. But the one that's most... I'm most notorious for, if you were to ask my wife, and she would, like, go off if she heard this, every year there's this Patti LaBelle Christmas album, and I will sing that thing. And this is Patti LaBelle, so you know it's a lot of vocal straining going on. Your throat is just raw <laughs> trying to sing like Patty. So there's this Christmas album called This Christmas. It dropped in like 92. I listen to it every year for Christmas. I go off on that album. And unfortunately, my wife goes off into another room, so she does not have to hear me sounding like a screeching cat with my Rihanna vocals trying to sound like Patty LaBelle. All right, I've got a question for all of you guys now. This is from John Michael, who is a super talented artist that we've supported for many years. He supports us as well. And he always shows us love for these podcasts and for our websites, both Soul and Stereo and You Know I Got So. This is an industry question for you guys. He told us he listened to Usher's Confessions album the other day, and he thought, looking back, how weird it was 
that he took a break after that to pursue acting. Do you think that changed or altered the trajectory of R&B mainstream-wise because he took a break after? Mm. That's mm. a whole podcast type question. Great man. question. <laughs> yes. That's that's a good one. Wait, hold on. Before we answer, can Here's someone thing. fill me in? Like, what did he actually, what he actually do with the acting? I wasn't familiar. In the mix, that was the um, movie, right? He did a whole bunch of horrible music. Yeah, no, okay. In the mix? Yeah. Yeah, in the mix. I mean, uh, you want to go first, then? I'll go. Here's the thing. I think that his departure, and not just... I, I, I always say, there are some fans, and we talked about this a little bit earlier on, so I don't want to contradict myself, but there is a contingent of fans who really want artists to like, as we said earlier, drop an album every other year for eternity. But I think it's good for an artist, because there's a grind, especially when you release an album as huge as Confessions, and then you tour and all this stuff. You gotta take like a couple years off to get your life right. And I know he got married and had some other things going on, just so he could live his life and be out of the limelight. So I'm cool with artists stepping back a little bit, but I think in his absence is where we saw the rise of the Chris Browns and the Trey songs and that generation came in. And the art, the um, course of R&B did change because this newer generation came in that began to present this different type of sound. And it did move a little bit away from what was established with Confessions. And I do think Confessions was kind of like the end of an era in many ways. So, him leaving opened the door for the Chris Browns and the Trey Songs and and the Sierras and that generation of artists who continue to mix hip hop in their music in a different type of way. So, he's right. It changed to me, not necessarily for the better, and not not because those artists aren't talented in their ways, but I think the way that they took R and B, they took it too far away from its core. Instead of mixing it kind of like the Ushers and people did before, where it's a 50-50, it went to hip-hop and kind of lost it. Well, I think you make a good point. The other thing I was going to bring up was when Usher Usher disappeared for a minute, of course, you had the Chris Browns that came in, but two years later, Justin Timberlake came back with Future Sex Love Sound. You know, at that time, Usher and Justin were neck and neck. Maybe Usher was a little higher, but, you know, Justin came in and I think really took a lot of that that audience and ran with it with this new sound and by the time Usher came back in 2008 I don't really know if he had a lane anymore which is why he ended up going in more of an urban AC type of sound but I think that probably played a factor too I, I have a, I have a, think I have a good answer to this I mean it's kind of complicated but see Confessions the way that album was heralded should have been able to shape the direction R&B was going at the time but if you look at it now the, the lasting song from that album that still, personally, I hear the most on that events and shows is, is Yeah, which was borrowing from a hip-hop type of sound. And that's kind of the... You mentioned it opened this door for like the Sierras and other artists like that. Well, the people were bar- borrowing from that sound at the time. So I feel like R&B then went in that direction instead of in a direction like a burn or, or you know, like, I don't know, Caught Up or even Confessions Part 2, for example. So... Maybe he set it off in the direction it went in, you know, as he stepped away. I mean... No, I agree. I agree with that. No, that so point. that's the way I look at it. Well, you got to remember, songs like Burn and Confessions, they were 
just like newer versions of You Got It Bad. Like it was very similar. So it's not like they were bringing anything new to the table. So that that sound had been laid out for the last couple of years already. Right. But we can talk about that another time. Um, That's a great discussion. I like that one a lot, actually. Shoutouts to John. Thanks for the awesome question. Um, man, we got so many questions to go through right now. Um, let's talk about this one from Romello Shuttlesworth. We're going to go back to R. Kelly, guys. If the R. Kelly incident happened oh, today, boy. would he still get off? <laughs> oh, boy. Let me tell you something, player. Now, when we say get off, do you mean get off get as off far hook, as... Yeah. Or off the hook legally or off the hook as far as fans letting him off? I think... Because I feel like those are two different things. I think things. the fans part of it. Cause, okay, let's Because I don't think any then. of us are lawyers, so... I think... <laughs> No, although I got some legals for some of y'all. Anyway, um, no, I don't because I think in the culture that we have right now, this very sensitive culture, this very think PC culture that drives me nuts, but that's another discussion for another time. I think there is no way that R. Kelly does what he does and then slides and skates by. And don't get me wrong, in 03, 04, and all of this stuff dropped. And everybody was just kind of like, oh, okay, it's fine, because he put out another hot song. The same thing with Chris Brown and his situation. I think that we were very, well, not we, but some fans were very kind of thrown by, oh, well, that's over, let's get back to the music. And although during the time I was very vocal in saying, if he is found innocent then he needs to be treated like an innocent person and not like a guilty person and that's how our legal system should be you can't be condemned for something that continues that is supposedly over i think that as if it's happening in 2017 it would be a wrap black twitter would rip him apart and would probably condemn anyone who tried to defend him so he got off at the right time because that would not fly into I 100% agree with you, especially where we're at, like you said, Twitter. It's like these days, you're you're guilty unless proven innocent. It's supposed to be the opposite, though. And no one is safe, <laughs> unfortunately. So he would have had it. You know he would have almost probably had to go into hiding at this point, I, I feel like. I mean, he couldn't have even done anything. I, I mean, who would have supported him at this point? They're exactly right. Like, I think that he would have get ripped yeah, to but this is the But then there will always be... Yeah, the one thing I was going to say, I mean, I agree with you guys completely, but in this new age of social media, any problems that occur, it only occurs for, like, a week, and then people either forget about it or they talk about something else. So maybe that gets him off the hook a little bit. Like, Mariah Carey, well, remember her, her lip-sync fiasco? Uh, that was in January. Yeah. No, one, no one talks well, about that anymore. No, but that's a little different because there are different sure. levels to Twitter outrage. Like, there's one thing that is something, like, if you screw up at the New Year's Eve event and we laugh at you and we're like, oh, you're terrible. But if it's something that is actually of a real issue that 
we can get a thousand bloggers to write about how you're a terrible person and you're a terrible person if you don't think this person is terrible going behind you then that could be a bigger issue and also i think as more developments from the case came out it wouldn't have been a one-time news thing it would have been like we kept finding more information each week or something it would have just kept going on and on and there would have been no end in sight yep um this is a question from um the host of the you know i got so and so in stereo podcast so does Ja Rule fit more under the uh, under the Mariah Carey fiasco or the R. Kelly situation with this fire festival? I'm just looking out for my boy. Wait, come on, man. That's a that's a horrible question. Do you know what R. Kelly did, man? <laughs> I know, I know, I know. R- ja Rule, this thing will be forgotten about in a week. Come on. <laughs> Anyways, my bad. Um... Ed, this is a question for you, Tom, as well, because you guys are both married. What song did you and your wife use for your first dance at the reception? From this is from Malcolm Knox, by the way. Oh, oh, shout out Malcolm Knox. Malcolm's my boy. Um, man, there is a song. Oh, what was the name of that song? I'm gonna get killed if I don't remember it. Um, who sings it? It's like the beauty of who you are. Y'all remember who sings that? I mean, it was not an R&B song, first of all. Nope. Oh, I'm blanking on it. Interesting. But anyway, the the funny thing about that song is that even though I'm blanking on the dude who sings it, and I'm going to be in a doghouse for not remembering it, um, the DJ started playing that, and it was a very slow, intimate song, but then cut in... Jagged Edges, um, Let's Get Married. Of course. Roots, like, about three-fourths of Of course. <laughs> so we were playing that, and then all of a sudden that got cut in, and then everybody went nuts and ran to the dance floor and just stayed on the dance floor for, like, three hours. Our wedding was insane. I remember when we had to cut the cake. We wanted them to clear the dance floor. People would not clear the dance floor to watch me cut my cake. What? <laughs> they were playing. Remember the Busta Rhymes, um, Touch It? remix that had Missy and a hundred people on it, DMX. Yep. I remember that was playing at the time. And people were like, forget your cake, we still dancing. <laughs> wow. I had an yeah. R and B wedding. Kyle was there. I chose most of the songs that were played. Yes. The songs I didn't choose that were played were horrible, I must say. Right, Kyle? So going into the wedding, Tom specifically told the DJ no black eyed peas, no flow rider, <laughs> no pit bull. <laughs> And yep. then that Pitbull and Neo song came on, and I was like, here we go. <laughs> but <laughs> did you shut it down, no, Tom? No. I hope you people, did. T- people seemed to be having fun, so what was I going to do? But my first dance was, uh, um, I chose the song Everything by Barry J, and then we cut into a song that my wife chose. She's Cape Verdean, and it was one of the songs from her cultural side of things, so we split it like that. It was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah, I'm going to need one of our um, readers to tell me who sings The Beauty of Who You Are, because I can't remember the name. I'll Google it for you while we go into the next question. (laughs) Yep. Cool. All right, what else do we have here? How are we doing on time, by the way? We're we're at the one hour mark, but since this is a special occasion, I say we keep it rolling. Get the people Mark Broussard, is that the name of the artist? Yes, yes. Okay, cool. Believe it or not, I've, I've interviewed him years ago. 
Wow. Um, All right, go. Man, there's so many questions here. I want to go with this one. This is from uh, this is from Ken Barber. There has been a small number of collaboration albums over the last few years. Babyface and Tony Braxton, Music Soulchild and Selena Johnson. I guess t- Tom and Ed, who else would you want to see do a collaboration album together? Oh, that's a good one. Well, the one that oh. comes to mind, obviously, people have talked about for years is Avant and Kiki Wyatt. That would be cool if we finally get that one. Uh, it's weird that that hasn't happened yeah. yet. I'm trying to think. It, it would almost be easier if, if we got, like, one side, like, say someone said Joe, who would you like to see him have a collaboration album with? But, um, right. this is a tough one. Yeah, this is hard to just kind of pick out of the blue. I'm excited about the Faith Evans Biggie collaboration album that's coming out in a few weeks. I feel like that's been a long time in the making. I remember back in the 90s, people really were clamoring for that Monica and Brandy collabo album. So, of course, I doubt we'll ever get that, but that would have been interesting at their peak. You have anyone, Kyle, in mind? Ja Ruin and Sean. Oh my gosh! Jeez. <laughs> um, uh, but it, <laughs> I cannot listen to Always on Time for an hour. Good no. Uh, but in all of seriousness, how about? And I, I don't think I would be surprised if this one actually happened. Brandy and Tyrese. Uh, yeah, it'll be. Uh, I think it could yeah, be pretty. I agree. I remember rumors, this was around Confessions time, of Usher putting out an album with just him singing with R&B artists, of female R&B artists at the time. Around the time he dropped the collabo with Alicia Keys. He wanted to do one with like Beyonce and Brandy and this and that. And I thought that would have been interesting. Well, he can still do that, but he's too busy uh, dyeing his hair, so maybe <laughs> next time. <laughs> Um, yeah, Beyonce ain't fooling with brown hair <laughs> pusher right now. That's so. a tough question, though. That is. For Tom, this is from Derek Dunn, our boy. Who would you like to see write or, I guess, produce for New Edition? Who would make <laughs> sense in, in, in today's generation to, to do that? Oh, man. That's, that's an interesting one. I'd like to know who Derek Dunn would like to see produce for New Edition, actually. <laughs> but uh, shout out to Derek Dunn for always supporting. Um, it's tough. I, I haven't really followed producers like like I have it in, in the past. It's it's mm. times are changing. Um, I'm trying to think who even uses live instrumentation nowadays. That would that would be a good match for them. Do you guys have anyone in mind? I think well made it go well with new edition. Um, it would go well <laughs> with new edition if it's going well into my trash can. Like it's if we want to throw it straight to the recycle bin. But for some reason the name that pops in my head is DJ Camper. And it might just be because I was just listening to the Mary album and I really like what he did with his sound with for her. And I think he did a good job of making her sound sound current but still like a Mary J sound. Maybe he could do the same for them. I got a name. You know who would kill a new edition album and make it throwback sounding and make it fresh? Salam Remy. Who? 
Oh yeah. Oh, that's, that's a, a weird good one. That would probably never, one. ever, ever happen. It's just like a weird pairing, but I feel like he would. No, but I want it yeah, to happen. That would be cool. Oh, that would be fire. Y'all make that happen. One that would probably make more sense is uh, Lamb, who did the uh, SWB I Missed Us project. Lamb would probably do a pretty good job. Who was on the last Johnny Gill album? I feel like that team could probably step right in and produce something good. I don't feel like it was known people, though. No, it's... I. Whoever it was, it's not... I mean, I listened to the album, but I can't think of like it being a name producer. Yep. I got another name. I got, I got, All right, this I got one me. more name. Well, yeah, go what ahead. about Chuck Harmony? Mm-hmm. I oh, can see that working well. Yep. That was another solid one. Yeah, that would definitely work well, too. All right. This is... Uh, hmm... I got one more from, let's see, I know we have a lot of stuff coming up, so, um, Desario, this is, this is the dude that helps us out, right, Tom? I think he does our, yes, our he does video. our intro graphics intro? for our interviews, so, shout, shout out to him. He wants to know, uh, when we're gonna have, number one, our own t-shirt line, and number two, um, is that t-shirt line gonna say, listen, Playa, <laughs> on it? Oh, boy. <laughs> It should, and I should get all the residuals. So, um, hook that up. Oh boy. Oh, uh, but it all make that like um. It could be Tom the new Austin actually... three sixteen shirt. Put that up <laughs> <Yep>. there. <laughs> no, but in all in all seriousness, uh, for anyone that's listening, Tom and I have been discussing putting together uh, some T-shirts and and getting them to produce so we can. Uh, you know, get them to you guys. It's been in the talks. It's been in the works, uh, but we'll have to see what happens. It, it's a lot of legwork, legwork, obviously. Um, but we'll see. It's something that is, um, it's, it's it's in our to do list. So we shall see about this one. Um, let's do two more questions. Just I didn't realize how many questions we actually had here, or maybe we can do three. Um, this one, let's just keep it all the way fun. Miss Superwife asked, "What's the best thing about working together?" Wow. Um, wow. Well, I don't really like it that much. We just do this because um, it works. So um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding again. You better be. <laughs> uh, I'll go first. Um, I think one of the reasons I started the site was to. Uh, bring people together, you know, have a community around R&B, and that's what I love about talking to these two. We talk, like, every single day. People don't realize. Me, Kyle, and Ned, we have our own group chat. We just talk music all day, and as an R&B junkie, being able to have that on a daily basis is awesome. Uh, we don't always agree, but everyone's fair, everyone's cool, so that's probably the thing I like the most. Yeah, I've got to agree with you there. And I've told kind of the story before here about how Soul and Stereo kind of got involved with You Know I Got Soul. And it was simply because I was looking to grow my community and to interact with more people who actually loved and respected R&B. And there are lots of R&B sites out there. And there are lots of sites who they might have big numbers, but I don't feel like really have a love and respect for the craft like these two guys do 
and that's why I reached out to them personally and it's been it started out as kind of a business relationship turned into a friendship and that's because we have a mutual love of the music so just working with two guys who have the same passion that I do is pretty fun plus they're easy targets so that's fun too for me it's actually really funny one of my biggest pet peeves in the past was meeting people asking them you know what their favorite album was what their favorite music is and them giving the generic response of oh i like all these i like all, all music i don't have a particular favorite and that used to drive me crazy but then i realized not everyone is as passionate about music and about r&b as as i am and then I met you two and, you know, everyone else on the web. So I'm like, hey, there is a, cr- a, a crowd of people that are passionate about it. So this is like the place where I can be crazy and just talk about what I love. And people will argue back, but it's respectable. So that's that. Awesome. <laughs> so that's what I like oh, about it's it. A, it's a lot of arguing, player. Man, because <laughs> once you talk to like just people on the street and you ask them about their favorite songs, they'll be like, oh, I like this Beyonce song. You ask them why, they can't even give you a reason why. They just listen to it. <laughs> it's tough. <laughs> um, okay, two more for you guys. Uh, what was your worst concert? This was from Derek oh, Dunn. Worst concert. Uh, you know, it's, it sounds... I mean, it sounds like I'm not being truthful here, but I really haven't been to a bad concert. The worst—I won't say worst performance, but the—I feel like the the weakest performance I ever saw was your boy, um, dude. Why am I blanking on his name? Donnell Jones. Oh, oh mm. boy, he opened for Alicia Keys. This is probably like oh two. This is right after her first album dropped. And my gosh, it looked like dude was like, "Let me hurry up and get off this stage because either I gotta pee." Or I really got to hit up Target and pick up this pack of bologna <laughs> before I get home. Like, it was the most rushed performance I had ever seen. I was like, what's going down? He didn't even really sing, like, his big songs. He did, like, two things and then peaced out. It was very rushed and weird. So, that I will say that was the most disappointing concert. But I haven't really been to a trash one. Uh, I've been to a lot of shows, and I've seen some bad ones. Can I take? Can I play the fifth on this? I don't want to. I don't want to diss anyone. <laughs> you can play. We'll the save fifth. that for our group chat. I don't like to make anyone feel bad or. But yeah, I've seen. And I know you have no feelings, so. But me. Oh, I have no feelings. <laughs> Everybody can get this work. Even your grandma. Oh, nobody's boy. safe. <laughs> I have one. Um, and it's not because of the artist. It was a Beyonce concert. So we know Beyonce is the queen and she's great at performing. So it wasn't Beyonce, but I was at this concert by myself, which I don't know. Is that normal? Do people go to concerts by themselves? Yeah. They do? Apparently not. I don't know. <laughs> I was at the Beyonce I concert. Do. No one else could afford it. So I went by myself to check out Luke James, who was opening up, as well as Beyonce. And I'm sitting there and I'm surrounded by. 15 year old females and one of them in front of me turns around and is like are you at this beyonce concert by yourself and i'm like yeah and she's like oh wow and she just turned back around so (laughs) wow (laughs) the entire concert i'm like 
well, damn, maybe I should have brought someone. So I think that ruined the whole experience of the Beyonce concert, but it's all good. See, Shout player, out to the you missed your chance. What you're supposed to do is then you should have hit her with, are you by yourself? And if she was, hook up time. See, I got to put you on game, Kyle. You're missing these opportunities. Ed, she's 15. Oh, <laughs> sorry. We already talked about R. Kelly earlier. <laughs> earlier. Yeah, yeah we, can, uh, we can't do that. Sure we can. Um, all right, last question for you guys. And I apologize if we didn't get to your question. There were a lot to go through, and we're already at an hour and, and 10 minutes. Um, Maybe we can save them for later. We can save them for later. I think what we're going to do moving forward is to have a couple of these each week. Um, They're going to eventually replace our food discussion because, unfortunately, because Tom doesn't eat anything, there's really not much to talk (laughs) about anymore. That's true. (laughs) All right. This is from Charles Williams. Oh, my dude. Shout out, Charles. With the current R&B stars, and he put stars in quotation marks for some reason, have been stars in the 90s when R&B was at its peak. Who has that staying power? So I guess who would have been a star in the 90s uh, from today's generation of R&B artists? We just talked about one of them. Remember? No, we were, we were asking that question about Kevin Ross. I think Kyle was asking offline. He asked us that. Oh, yes, offline. I thought you were yeah, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, we talked He's about one that. We thought of. Yes. I think... Yeah, I think Kevin Ross, and we just talked about this offline a couple days ago. Um, I think if Kevin Ross dropped mid-90s, he would be in a much better place than he is now. And not that he's in a bad place. Shout out to my boy. I really liked his album. But I think that his profile would be much higher than he is now. Um, But as far as some of the other stars... I mean, it's Jasmine's... terrible to say. I'm, I'm struggling to think of, like, who we level of stardom. Like, are we talking about the Chris Browns, or are we talking about the emerging artists like the Kevin Rosses? I mean, I think Kevin Ross and Ro James are the only emerging artists left in R&B. So maybe, maybe some of the more uh, established ones as well, like a Jasmine Sullivan, who I think Jasmine oh. would definitely... My gosh, yes. Jasmine, Jasmine dropped in 94. It... Please, like she would be massive. I had mentioned um, she's a huge. I had one. mentioned Melanie Fiona the other day. I thought she was one that could have been way yes. bigger. And I w- I don't know if she would be like a mega headlining star, but she would at least be to what a level of Amaya yeah. was in ninety nine two thousand, like right. easily. Ed, what about Elvar? On the what about him? <laughs> oh boy. Oh, you got it started again. Um, I'll plead the fifth. I'll plead the fifth. I'll leave it alone. But I will say that I do think some of today's bigger artists would be pushing brooms at the pushing local brooms. Um, dentist. Oh, my goodness. Way. Yes. Who? I would not hear any future on my radio talking about R&B. Who? He'd be I got one. out of the building. Actually, I have one. I want to ask, guys, Trey Songs, because he... You know, he was one of the only ones in the 2000s to have that, that, that sex persona, but everyone was doing it in the 90s, and they could sing better than <laughs> Trey. Trey would be on the lower end. He'd be like ideal and profile and those guys. Oh, he come on. <laughs> I'm for, he would have, 
No, they were fine. They had their one or two songs. They had Get Gone and whatever else they had. And they would beat it. Like, I don't see... The mark, the the landscape was too crowded. Like, you would have to have a good song. You would have to have a good look. And you would have to have a good... Like, a level of talent. And I think that he... We talked about earlier when Usher left and there was this vacuum of talent. And he was able to rise up. And... Really, when Trey hit his biggest hype, Chris Brown was gone, too, because that was doing the Rihanna stuff. So, he was, like, the only one left, and that's when he reached his highest heights. Ain't no way he can break through the ceiling in 99, 2000s. You all right, Kyle? Um, yeah, I'm all right. <laughs> okay, I got one more for you guys, and then uh, we'll, we'll talk about something else. Keisha Cole. Mm. You're asking if she would have been bigger in the 90s? Yeah, because, I mean, she was big in the uh, 2000s, but she never, like, I, I don't even know. I don't remember us nominating her into the Hall of Fame yet, but, like, would that have changed in the in the 90s if she came out then? No. She, I feel like as big as she was in the 2000s, I don't know if she would have gotten that big in the 90s. I think she would have been another one of those kind of like one of those and I love them shout out to my girls like 702 levels where they have some really good albums but they only remember for a couple of songs and I feel like she would kind of be like that where she would be a, definitely a name we remember but not something we put on our top 10 list of the greatest of all time or even the greatest of the era again that man the 90s was stacked and like you couldn't come with mediocrity you had to have something that set you apart. Here, here's an interesting uh, name for you. I think her trajectory would have been totally different. Uh, K. Michelle, and then if she came out in the mid '90s, oh, she I wouldn't agree have had there. to go on the reality route. I agree she there. might not have had to act all crazy and have all this drama. She might have just been able to make the music she wanted to make the whole time. Who knows? Yeah, I think she's one of those artists. And there are a bunch of artists that fall into this category, but she would have been. Someone who would have come in. It would have been all about the music. She would have been on BT's little deck. What was that countdown they used to do every Friday? The um, top 20 countdown. I can see her song at number two or three for like 20 weeks running at VSOP. Please. That thing would dominate. So she would definitely. I, 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 I don't know if I agree with that. Because really? Tamar Braxton, she came out in like 2000. Compare that to her success now, I think there's some artists that just need that craziness in order to be successful. Because Tamar's well, debut was good. No, but see, there's a difference. She came out in 2000, but I don't remember. Okay. I mean, I was listening to this stuff in 2000. First of all, Tony was still out, so she was still overshadowed by Tony. So her, I mean, other than the single, I don't remember her stuff getting that big of a push. But... When we moved to the late 2000s, when it was all about drama and all about being entertaining and having this over-the-top personality, that's when her personality was able to shine. So it was about, again, what we talked about earlier in the podcast. It was gimmicks first, music second. So we latch on her gimmick because, oh, she's so funny and crazy, ha, ha, ha. And, oh, she can sing. Okay, I'll check out her music instead of it being the opposite. So she just was able to create a persona for herself in an era when you need a persona persona to thrive. And that's kind of what her is trying to do in a different kind of way. 
Yep. Last, the Ed, I mean, Ed, the last name for you. In the 90s, what would Ashanti be doing in the 90s? What would Ashanti be <laughs> doing? Listen, there were lots of opportunities for up-and-coming women at Walmart oh at the time. Goodness. She would have found a great career <laughs> as a cashier. <laughs> By now, she would have moved up to assistant cashier. Oh, she would be oh, living large. All the discounts off of the dishwashing liquid. Oh, my God. Wow. Oh. Um, guys, I know we were going to try to do this uh, this feature for another time, but did we want to go into this love letter thing that you guys had been discussing? <laughs> you want to do... We, we can do one for now. Okay. I'm a, All right, so I'm what gay. this is, is uh, Ed on his site, Soul and Stereo, has a love letter section. You could explain it, Ed. Yeah, um, what it is, and it's a throwback from the original um, roots of the site when it was georgiamay.com and it was my wife's site. I was a kind of a contributor to her site. And one of those columns I had was people would send in their questions about their relationships and I would answer it from a male perspective because the site was for women. So it was just, hey, what do you guys think about blah, 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 and I would tell them. And that has evolved now in Soul and Stereo into the love letter section where people have relationship issues and send me questions. And good Lord, I got a, gosh, I need to get on that this week, in fact. A huge backlog of questions because everybody want to know what your boy thinks about their rag, their relationships. So go to soulandstereo.com, click on that love letters tab, and it's a thousand of those posts. And what we've got here is a spin on that. I'm going to read Ed lyrics from a song, a popular song you'd all know. And Ed is going to respond to this artist as if he's giving advice to this artist at, like a friend. Yep. Oh, it will make for an interesting... Wow. <laughs> I've chosen some interesting songs. This will just be one this time. But Are you ready for the first one? I'll start reading the lyrics. I'm ready. Okay. I'm ready. I don't want to know. If you're playing me, keep it on the low. Because my heart can't oh. <laughs> take it anymore. And if you're creeping, please don't let it show. This man needs help, Ed. First of all, he needs help. Um, uh, Mr. Winers needs help. So first of all, player, you're living a lie. Because nobody wants to not know. Everybody wants to know. The thing is, you don't want to admit it. And that's not the same as not wanting to know it. So, you need to get with reality and realize you need to know what's going on because in your relationship, I'm going to need you to know that your partner is truly committed to you. So, that I don't want to know stuff is just goofiness that you just try to say because you don't want to rock the boat. You got to um, get that curve out your spine and man up, player. How sad of a situation was that? Jeez. Find out what the creeping that is. That was so on. sad. Yeah, but that's whole. What that's, say, Tom? That's Mario Winans' career. It's always... That was, that was such a sad situation. All his, all his like songs... A, poor guy. All his songs are sad. But, I mean, Tom's right. The situation has to be pretty dire if it's like, I don't even know. Because if you're, if you're cheating, keep it on the low. You know that the person's cheating or you wouldn't even say that. Like, you know the person is cheating. Yeah. But you're too afraid to face the person for whatever reason. So, if you know somebody's doing something wrong, I'm going to need you to speak up because you can't keep living a lie forever. Eventually, you're going to get mad and explode. 
and I don't want you to throw hands on your lady, Mr. Winans. To his credit, I mean, who else was able to make a song that vulnerable and make it a hit? I mean, he did put himself out there. <laughs> oh, no, no question. The song is pretty brilliant. And it, it's funny, if he came out with that song today, the memes would rip him <laughs> apart for being that vulnerable. But I I thought the song was great. It's ridiculous, but it's great. Good job, Ed. Damn. You've talked him off the ledge. Good job, Ed. Well, we'll we'll play this again next week, because I right. like this. I got a few, I got a few uh, more in store for next week. Right. Don't worry. Nice. Okay, we got six minutes left to go until we hit that 130 mark. This is going to be the final food discussion we ever have. What's on the menu? Well, I just took some um, turkey legs out of the oven right before I hopped on the podcast, so that's probably it. Tom, you don't like turkey? I that like turkey. enough for you. Not a turkey leg, though. What are you, a barbarian? <laughs> Walking around eating the turkey leg? Yes, I, I get the big brontosaurus flintstone types. Like, those are wow. the best. Wow. Um, I, I have a confession that's food related. I don't eat seafood, no, so <laughs> recently, in the past few years, I actually thought shrimp scampi was a high-end item on a menu. <laughs> I made that serious. I wrote about this once because rappers would always brag about eating shrimp scampi, and I'm like, you know, they sell that at Olive Garden for like five ninety nine, right? That is not high end. <laughs> now we now not we know. Good. It's good, but it's not a big deal. Do you eat, do you eat seafood, Kyle? I, you know, believe it or not, I'm allergic to oh. shrimp. So I can't eat shrimp. I, I do still, and then I just end up dying, well, but I'm not supposed <laughs> to be eating shrimp. Yeah. It's that good? <laughs> yeah. It's pretty but, good. I don't want you to good. die over it, but it's Ed, pretty your, good. I'm mm-hmm. a, I mean, I'm from... One of your favorite restaurants, Ed, Long John Silver's. <laughs> what? <laughs> Look, player, I am from the east coast of Virginia, the seafood capital. I know about fine seafood dining. Although, I will not turn down some Long John Silver's. Ah. I ain't even going for it. <laughs> what, what, what is that Damn. thing that's like, um, it's in a shell, and you just have to like kind of slurp it? Now, that's one of the most disgusting things I've ever seen. You mean on? I, I, I think so. Maybe. Thing in the shell that you slurp. Oh gosh. <laughs> yes, yeah, is an oyster player. I don't like them though. They are too. They're a little okay. too gross for me. Like I, the fried ones are okay. I'll deal with clams more than oysters. Jeez. Okay. So that wraps up the food discussion. Discussion. R.I.P. to the food discussion. We are done with it. So before we get out of here, guys, so in stereo, what's going on? Um, what is going on? This coming week, as we touched on a little earlier, we've got some love letters coming up. So check out the site for that. Otherwise, it's been pretty slow. Um, there have been a few rapper releases that I haven't written reviews for because they are terrible. And I did not want to put myself through the pain of writing the reviews. So maybe in the next week or so, we'll have some, a little bit more stronger material for me to cover and review. But just check out the site in the next couple days or so for some fresh love letter conversation. And Tom, what's going on with you know I got so? Um, well, I just put out the article about the upcoming releases 
R&B albums from May. We'll talk about that probably next podcast. Um, we just did a couple interviews. You interviewed Kevin Ross to talk about his new album. I interviewed Music Soul Child and his new artist, Willie Hinn, to talk about their collaboration. Uh, that's pretty much it. Um, yeah, just keeping it going. Not too much else going on right now. Yep. And we have two minutes left to go on the podcast, so I'm going to present a question to you guys. You're going to just give me a straight answer, and we're just going to finish it. There's no debating, because then we're going to be going on for another half an hour. Are you guys ready for this? Let's go. What is the best video game console ever? Oh, please. They can be answered in milliseconds. The Super Nintendo Entertainment System. Damn, I never had a Super Nintendo. I had a Sega Genesis instead. But I'm going to go with the sleeper pick and say Nintendo 64. It was a game changer at the time. Still love it. You know what? I'm leaning leaning towards the N64 as well. But no, that's a tough one. The Super Nintendo was also very good. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with the N64 because it had Smash Brothers on it. (laughs) And that's good enough. There you go. However, I I can't hate. I did find out that they are um, releasing a mini Super Nintendo uh, relatively soon. They put out the Nintendo, I think, earlier in the year in a limited run. So the Super Nintendo is coming as well, guys. Oh, and I am too excited. I've already got my, my sleeping bag ready. I got my, my little tent that I got from Firefest, <laughs> And I'm going to be camping out in front of Best Buy with my cheese sandwich. And I'm going to get it the day it drops. And Tom, I guess you're going to be getting the uh, Wii Switch as well? Uh, I'm passing on that, actually. I saw it. Or the Switch. I need more games to come out. There's nothing yep. available for it right now. It's crazy. Yep. Ain't that the Zelda game? I hear yeah, it's pretty good. There's not even a Mario it. Brothers game on there, man. It's crazy. I know. I'm, I'm waiting for it. All right, Pick calm down, guys. Nintendo, get guys, it this, is an R- this is an R&B <laughs> podcast. Let's end it with R&B. What? Um, you you <laughs> asked the question. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Okay, so we're gonna end it up with uh, end it off with an R and B uh, theme, just so we can get out of here. Ashanti is the greatest R and B artist of all time. The end. As Mario Wyman says, "I don't want to know. Keep it on the low." <laughs> wow. All right, we're out of here, guys. All right. All right. Peace.